0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Corey Baumeister and normally... I would be joined by my brother from another mother, Mr. Brad Nelson. But unfortunately, he was in the upper 17% of side effects from a second COVID dosage. So he's not feeling great. So Brad will not be on the episode this week. So hope you feel better, bro. Um, but before we get into our very special guest, don't forget that this podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, So with Modern Horizon 2 on the horizon, Horizon, we wanted to bring in one person who is personally responsible for all of your bad experiences with Modern Horizons 2, and that person is none other than Mr. Brian Braun doing. How you doing, BBD?
1: You know, it brings me a special level of joy to know that I'm personally responsible for the bad (laughs) times that everyone is going to have with this set, It just, it it warms my frozen, shriveled heart to know (laughs) that, so...
0: You were just you were just building all these cards and you're like, okay, I know this is this is going to ruin someone's day. And you're like and you just you went you went back home and you just felt accomplished. huh?
1: I did. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've talked on social media. So Brad Nelson, myself and Sam Black uh, Mm -hmm. consulted with Wizards to work um, to work on Modern Horizons 2 for a month, uh, along with people on the play design team who were who were paired up with us to to work on the set yeah and like when i look at some of the things that people said on twitter i think people like kind of maybe overestimate the impact that we 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 had you know like like shaheen was asking me if i got like anus puns into the cards it's like (laughs) i i was never that close to a magic card you know like (laughs)
0: I, didn't. I don't know. You, <laughs> the first card we're going to talk about, you got a, a pretty heavy hand on and it it literally reads as a Brian Brown
1: doing card. That's for sure. That that is true. That, that that is the exception, not the rule, I guess you could say. Sure, like, sure. We went in there and what we did is is they already had a card file, you know, with all these cards on it. And we mm-hmm. just went through and we looked at the card file that they had. And, you know, we Te- like played with a bunch of the cards tested a bunch of the cards provided our opinions on the cards but it's not like we were there for the original pitch of modern horizons 2 you know like yeah we weren't there for the original design process like we weren't making these cards we were we were testing them so yeah, you know was- with a, cu- a couple exceptions like the one that we'll talk about and 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 stuff and you know there are uh cards in the set where i'm like you know like I feel like, hey, that ability, like, that was my suggestion. I think that's cool, you know, but still, like, overall, it was more of a, here's what we have, like, let's do some testing, and a lot of cards changed, a lot of cards were removed, cards were added, etc., over the process, but... You know, it's not like we were in there just like, all right, here's my custom set from 2006. Let's get some of these cards into Modern Horizons 2. Yeah, you had
0: a big binder. You're like, oh, I, I'm finally given the shot. I already designed a Modern Horizons 2 set, and I'm just ready to slide it across the table. <laughs> I yeah, mean, the, the,
1: the big problem is that my binder was exclusively filled with women, so it was kind oh, of Oh, a- okay. <laughs> I don't know if you get that reference or not. I don't. I don't. I wasn't going to ask. I wasn't going to ask. It's a Mitt Romney reference from, (laughs) I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair.
0: Yeah. It does seem like when you're, when you get there as a person that's just testing the design of cards, like they have a whole team that designs the flavor of a set, you know, like what they want this set to be. And like a different team like that. They put loose definitions of cards. And then it it seems like it's your job to just make sure, like one, it's fun to play. And two, that there's nothing that's Hogak part two, electric boogaloo, you know, kind of kind right. of brokenness left into the world.
1: Yeah, and it was it was an eye-opening experience too, because I we like we went in there and it's like one of the things that we learned when we were there is like so I mean, like we're coming in, and it's it. We're all competitive Magic players, yeah. And we're we are like we're tuned in on playing Magic competitively, yeah. And so we go in there, and one of the first things is like we're just like, oh, we got nerf this card is too good. We got nerf this card is too good. Like this card's too good. This card's too good. Like that was kind of how we were at first, yeah.
2: And, and, and rightfully and,
1: so, yeah. Rightfully so in a lot of ways, but also at the same time, it's like. The point isn't to make sure that no card could ever break modern.
0: Yeah, you, know, you still like, got to sell packs. You still got to sell packs. You need these cards to be good, but just not so good that it's the only thing people play in modern. You know, like you want a new strategy. You want, you know, these cards to sell. Essentially, they're still a business that they, they have to sell product. And if you just have a bunch of bad cards, like I'm, I'm not saying that's the same for like Strixhaven right now, but Strixhaven is pretty powered down. Right. um you know i i imagine the strict sales is not as good as throne of eldraine it would just be a guess because throne has so many powerful cards that you need um but you know for magic sake that it is definitely better to power some sets down
1: yeah i mean it's just a th- it, like i like even even ignoring the aspects of selling cards because that wasn't really something that i was thinking about when i was there but mm. i mean it certainly is a consideration for wizards of course but like it's like if you go through the effort to make sure that no card could break a format then yeah you you get ixalan you get (laughs) Streetshaven, like you get these (laughs) sets where where cards aren't like you know you actually don't change the format at all and then sometimes Mm -hmm. you're stuck again with a stale format like you think of standard right now and it's like exactly all the same decks that were there before and there's a couple exceptions like the blue red tempo deck and stuff but like yeah it's like all the same decks that were there before because strict didn't change the format and then yeah. that becomes not fun for players too so like
0: <clears throat> no i think i think that's perfectly well said because i mean i i'm sure i can speak for a lot of people listening right now and and for myself like i think standard is in an extremely healthy spot right now and if you were to look at it that this was the new format that just got you know started with Strixhaven, you'd be like nice this <clears throat> this format looks great i want to play standard yeah. but the fact that we just played with those decks for three months as good as the format is as healthy as it is and i'll still play it for higher level events or something or for streaming opportunities but overall i'm not you know getting done with my stream logging on to play Tile ultimatum against the same decks i've been playing against
1: well, I've been logging on and playing Soulside Ultimate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's because that leads us into the first thing we're going to talk about before we dive into a little bit more Modern Horizon 2 talk. And that's just our upcoming events. There's not actually a lot going on this weekend um, as far as SCGs or inside esports events. Uh, pretty... Pretty much chirp or uh, crickets on uh, on that aspect, but we do have the Strixhaven set championship that's coming up next weekend, where you guys had to like what submit decks, submit standard decks now and historic decks later. Like,
1: is that true? It is true. It it is a little weird. Yeah, it's very odd. So we had to submit we have submit standard decks nine days before the tournament and historic decks five days before the tournament. Okay. Um, and I mean, I guess at the time that this podcast comes out, I will have already submitted my deck. But yeah. at the time that we're recording, I haven't yet submitted. <laughs> um, and and basically, it, it 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 is a little weird. But the the reason I was given is that it's um it's because of what is that set called? Historic anthologies? Is that the name of it? Anthology five, yeah, yeah. So historic anthologies, um changing the modern the historic format a little bit that uh they didn't want because standard hasn't changed card wise Mm -hmm. they like wanted to give us time from when historic anthologies hits on arena to be able to just focus on historic and not have to think about standard
0: that's actually kind of decent. You know, I mean, I feel like some players are going to be like, OK, that's great. I only have to deal with one format. And other people are going to be like, well, I can think about two things at the same time. Like, let me submit my standard deck later where I can, you know, practice a little bit more. Um, where, where are you at on the on the pendulum of that?
1: Um, Honestly, I could see it. Either. I I think it's a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, I can see it both ways um i I think the downside to the like i can think about two formats at the same time is is like if the format does shift then it kind of screws over some subset of players over that period of time um the downside of submitting nine days in advance is that like we're submitting stale decks (laughs) like like it's a double-edged sword because then because if the format does shift and we're all playing decks that don't represent that shift. It's just a horrible viewing. It's horrible for viewers. Yeah. So it it, it is... I can see it both ways. Um. I don't but, know. I, I guess I don't have, like, a super strong opinion on what the right thing to do is.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's just like... It, it, it even if it may shift a little it's just shifting to like maybe rogues being a little less hated soul is actually just even more dominant you know like it's not going to shift in the sense where it's going to be that revolutionary anyways the standard portion sadly is just kind of going to be stale at this point but that's you know a little bit of the product of just strixhaven not affecting standard you know i mean if standard if strixhaven was a powerful standard set we'd have two pretty exciting formats and I think this would be a, a pretty solid tournament, but I would imagine a lot of people are going to be like, all right, I I'm, I'm going to be more interested in historic than standard, especially with the pact being banned. Um, you know, it it does look like, is it Phoenix seems pretty messed up in historic as well, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really gone that into much into historic yet. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly still interested in just playing paint tainted pact again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, just with Jace instead of Thassa's Oracle. I mean, it's certainly a way worse uh, deck, but yeah. I don't know. I, I think it could still be a playable strategy. We'll see. Yeah. Or I've I, seen people with,
0: like, Crackling Drake as, like, a, a win con, um, you know, to just exile your whole deck, essentially, and just attack for lethal. Yeah.
1: But that's there, probably there's, worse. There's, there's ways to do it. Like, some of the... Yeah, Grix's decks have played Crackling Drake. Um... Yeah, I mean there, there there's there's other ways to win the tainted packs. Uh whether I mean it's certainly gonna be way worse than Oracle. Mm-hmm. and and even even the oracle version was certainly way worse than what you could do in paper magic with it but like
0: that's true that's true but i i do think that was the correct call from wizards just to get that deck out of there not only was it really good but it sure as hell does not look good on a big broadcast when you you cannot combo on turn three like you could in in real life and you know stuff like that the the things we already talked about on uh, the previous episodes about it but yeah honestly strict saving championship it's going to be sweet um any idea what you're going to be playing i know it's not exactly the highest priority now with the relegation to rivals anyways it's just kind of a cash tournament
1: for you now right it is yeah like yeah. I, i've been i've been already relegated from npl to rivals plus next year's just a token season basically like yeah it, it, there's no value in it' it's, or i mean there there is value in it like monetarily but there's mm-hmm. no we're not playing for anything really so yeah. um yeah this is just a cash tournament for me it's not you know the stakes aren't there for the my future as a professional magic player.
0: Yeah, win 15K up top or something like that, which will be cool. Yeah, I would normally be uh, I got asked to commentate this one, but I got asked to officiate a wedding first. And I felt that would be quite rude of uh, one of my good lifelong friends to say, no, I'm going to I'm going to go work. But, you know, that was before the whole OP announcement where all our, you know, futures are a little unsure. So maybe I'm regretting that a little bit. Probably should have taken all the jobs I could. huh?
1: Well, if it's any <laughs> if it's any consolation, I skipped a friend's wedding for a pro tour once because they were on the same weekend. Actually, twice I've done that. Yeah. And in hindsight, I kind of regret doing it. So, yeah, I think I think in the long run, you'll you won't regret going to the wedding, but you might regret it in reverse. So, yeah, no, but
0: I totally agree. And officiating a wedding, you know, as is, is nervous of a, a a thing that, it, you know, as nervous as it's making me to prepare for it, it's going to be something that's going to be like an extremely high honor. So I think uh, I think it's going to be sweet, but. Uh, that does lead me to announce that I will not be on the cast next week because I will be back getting ready for that. So it'll be you. It'll be just you because Brad yeah. <laughs> may still not be feeling good. It'll just be the Brian
1: Bronduin show. <laughs> it'll just be the Bash Bros podcast fe- featuring no bros, yeah. just a special guest. It'll and just be I-
0: podcast featuring special guest Brian Bronduin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we just get rid of the bash, Bros. It's just podcast featuring Brian <laughs> Brown. <Bronduin. laughs>
1: it, it it's just featuring special guest Brian Brown. This is the name of the podcast. Yeah, I got to say that uh, I I got my second COVID shot um, almost two weeks ago now. And the yep. day after I was destroyed. Like, yeah, we,
0: we luckily recorded the day you got it and you were maybe a little loopy, but, you know, you were feeling OK at that point.
1: Right. Yeah. Like I got, yeah, yeah, we recorded that podcast literally right after I'd gotten shot. But Mm. the following day, I, I mean, it was, it was bad. Like I, I basically spent the entire day laying like down the entire day. I had, I had a brutal headache all day long and I just like, I just felt like death and I was like, I maybe a little bit feverish and stuff. It, it felt like um mm-hmm. and, and I just I just felt horrible like the entire day. And I was just all I did the entire day was sleep on and off, where I would sleep for an hour, wake up, like feel horrible. And that's why I would wake up and like just like doom scroll twitter for 30 minutes then go back to sleep for an hour and it was it was just a horribly miserable day and then i woke up the next day and felt totally fine and never felt another symptom so i hope that's the case for brad where yeah no he doesn't feel anything after it for me it was literally just one day where it was horrible and then after that nothing like i didn't feel soreness in my arm after that day weird yeah yeah. i mean
0: i i was a little i was a little fatigued as well but really almost nothing from either shot. I don't know if like I just put my body through so much already that they're like, Oh, a COVID vaccine. That's nothing. You know, like I, we can deal with that.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh, Too good. Yeah. We hope Brad uh, feels better, but yeah, he was not, uh, not up to it today.
1: Yeah. It definitely affects different people differently. Like I know my yeah. dad was, I, I told my dad, it's like, cause I was, I was going to do something with him. Um, on the day after mm-hmm. and he was like i was i just told him i was like hey i got i'm get my covid shot the day before i might be like out of commission and he's like oh no like i, I got my second shot and i was fine i was like it affects different <laughs> people differently no 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 if i got it it's fine
0: you guys are blood related that that means you're true, 100% true. gonna feel fine Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem with me and Brad. We're only half brothers. So he got the other half. You know, I felt fine. So he just got the other half that made him feel bad. I mean, that's just science.
1: You got the good half and he got the half Nelson. So, Oh, nice. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I think we're going to get into some of the Modern Horizon 2 cards that we're excited about. And, you know, like BBD was saying before, you guys uh, did some design work and stuff. So I think it's it'll be interesting to get your perspective on, you know, what you can and what you cannot talk about as far as, um, you know, designing, testing these cards thought process and all this stuff. But first we definitely got to hear about the chef's kiss story, because when I read that on Twitter, I already thought when I saw this card previewed that it is just such a, a BBD card. Like you say chef's kiss all the time. I was just like, you know, I didn't say it out loud, but I was definitely thinking, I was like, yeah, that's, that seems like a BBD card. So you got to tell us that story.
1: Yeah. So I, I was, we had like a, um, I don't know, what program it was but you know it's like something where it was kind of almost like a forum where we would post our you know we'd be like i tested with this deck today or like we'd post our decks that we were testing with and be like oh, i i played with this card like we need to add it to talk about it because mm-hmm. i i think it's like not good for this reason or it's too good for this reason or yeah. you know blah 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 so like i wrote a really long post <laughs> about a card um that's probably probably i if i'm not misremembering it's I think it was about a card that has yet to be previewed. Kay. That is my favorite card from the set. Oh, um,
0: and what that, what is that card exactly? Card, word for word.
1: <laughs> okay, <it's
0: laughs> a- okay, okay. So it's Asmiran. Almost and, got him. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: the the, mm. the card the card is uh, let me find it here. <laughs> That's not there. Yeah. No, but uh, so I put in put in a lot of. Like I wrote a really long post up you know I could be pretty wordy about stuff, and uh I just described one interaction at the end of between a couple of cards as as like a real chef's kiss, you know like yeah, just just something where it's like you 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 pull that off and like it's a real middle finger to your opponent or whatever, yeah, and like a couple hours later, or maybe it was the next day um. Aaron Forsyth runs in. So he was, he was like uh like the big honcho with the set. Like this, the set says baby. And he rolls in and he's like excited about that post I made. Not because of anything I said about the card that I was testing, <laughs> but just because of the word Chef's Kiss. And he's like, we have to make a card called Chef's Kiss. That I don't know how we haven't made a magic card with that name yet. It's just such a good name. It is good. And, and so then like we we actually had a brainstorming session where we thought about like what would go into a chef's kiss card. <laughs> and um you know like one of one of the ideas was like basically what the card ended up being. So that that was discussed in that meeting. So I I don't know. It was it was just a really cool story where I got to design <laughs> not really a magic card but a magic card's name Which... For someone who enjoys the shitty wordplay like myself, <laughs> yes. I think it's an even higher honor than designing the card itself. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And that was the extent
0: of BBD's design influence at Wizards. And that's our episode. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. But for anybody who's wondering, Chef's Kiss is a one red, red instant. Gain control of target spell that targets only a single permanent or player. Copy it, then reselect the targets at random. For the spell and the copy, the new targets can't be you or a permanent you control. So realistically, probably not that great of a card, probably not going to see that much play. And it's something like if they lightning bolt your creature and they don't have a creature in play, instead you counter it. They take six kind of thing like that. That seems like, you know, a a more common use of this card. But outside of that, like I, I, I can't really see an application for it.
1: Yeah, like it this is basically um I would say a more casual magic card. Mm-hmm. Like the, this isn't one where it's like, oh, chef's kiss is going to break modern. You know, like yeah. th- this is a card that is like there are a lot of players who love cards like this. Mm-hmm. And these the time that you get to sit there and like you, you're playing a game of commander, <laughs> yeah. um and you're and and your opponent plays like some seven mana sorcery that's just a real f you kind of torment card. the
0: Hellfire or something, yeah. You, know, yeah,
1: you know, like some some card like that, and and, and you're just like, well, you know what, <laughs> this will be action, a chef's yeah, you know. kiss
0: right out of the game for you, yeah, yeah, and like that,
1: that's the scenario where a card like this shines, and like a lot, I I, I like, I kind of saw when I previewed this card, I saw people being like like this card isn't good or whatever and it's like yeah it's not meant to be a a competitive card you know like but then i saw a lot of other people who were like i love this card like this is my favorite card Mm -hmm. from the set that i've seen so far (laughs) like this is gonna go great into this deck that i have and stuff it's like that's awesome that's like why the card, you know like that's what the card is for so
0: yeah yeah the one thing i would think is just like You know, think how sweet it would be to just like your opponent's like, all right, end end step gifts and be like, ooh, chef's (laughs) gift. (laughs) I'll be gifting twice.
1: (laughs) Like, I'm going to bake into a pie that you're like, ah, well, chef's kiss. It seems like, like you are
0: the pie now. (laughs) okay yeah i think that card the story is pretty sweet uh but let's get to some of the cards that i do think are gonna be good and in fact maybe just ridiculously good and i think at the top of that list for Modern Horizons so far, it's it's the free spells, right? Like the cycle where where what? I mean, the main ones is just grief, subtlety. I don't even honestly know what the other free ones do. I don't even know if they're out yet. But those are the two ones that I think are actively pretty strong and, and could both be pretty insane.
1: So what do you think about grief and subtlety? You know, Corey, you said at the top of the list, but you did skip the card at the top of the list. Are you afraid to pronounce its name? <laughs> talking, I'm talking, of course, about
2: Asmoreto,
1: Marduk, uh, Epstein didn't kill himself, Dasna called to a car. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. skipped over it. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> I thought you were a caster. That's supposed to be, like, your wheelhouse. Like, That's
0: the thing, as a caster, <laughs> that I see that card, and I'm just like, please be a bad card. Please be a bad card. I never want to have to pretend <laughs> to have to say that word on coverage. And, like, honestly, what the hell is that card even doing
1: existing like so, why why so that that's a question too like i i like so that's a card and like there there's another card in the set too that i saw people on on twitter being like why does this card exist like what's the point of this card it's like it's not it's not for you like this is <laughs> this is an old reference to like um like a really old magic character from like oh 20 plus years ago Really? You know Yeah it is. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. the same with Garth like Garth One-Eye for example like that was a card that people were like why does this card exist what's the point of this card? It's like well Garth One-Eye was like the original story of Magic mm. involved Garth One-Eye and he, and he could cast like any spell from Alpha cuz I think that was the only set that was out at the time. Okay, okay. And so they're like let's make Garth One-Eye a card and he can cast like these random ass cards from alpha you know like <laughs> yeah. that that's just like a throwback to people who love the story of magic and like stuff like that and it's the same with asmur i'm not even gonna try again i'm not gonna yeah, do good it again call. but good call. <laughs> same with this card it's like a lot of people want have been wanting this card to be printed forever and yeah. it's like there's a, there's just a subset of players who love this character and, mm-hmm. and might want be used a magic as a card. commander
0: now or something yeah
1: yeah and it's like you know whether or not it's sees play is kind of like not the point of the card you know mm-hmm. like and whether or not sees play in modern it's not like not the point of the card and i actually really like that about this set that this set was meant to be like a fun set you know yeah and you could tell that like like aaron uh was was it like the head of the set and he was super passionate about this set like i i it was kind of surprising to me because I like I went in there and I'm like, you know, these some of these people have been working at Watsi for like forever, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like I kind of expected them to just be like another day at the job. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case. Like like uh Aaron was so like excited about all these cards and excited oh, about the so set awesome. and stuff. And he was he puts he put a lot of effort into it. And like, you know, like the. I I don't know. I I actually really think this set is cool. So I'm kind of excited about it, too.
0: I mean, honestly, though, realistically, people always even just say like about me, like I'm just too overly excited about some things. But I think that is just generally the best thing to have in in anything, you know, like Doris Burke, the NBA announcer, she loves talking about basketball, you know, like she, yeah. she, she absolutely loves it. You can tell in her voice that she loves it and it carries on to things. So that's who you want working, who who you want designing these cards, who you want talking about your game. You know, that's a very important thing. they got to be you know, really, really into what you're doing. Like Reed Duke still loves to play magic, you know? Javier loves to play magic. These are the people that uh, succeed yeah. in those kind of space, you know?
1: Yeah, like passion is contagious. Like yeah. people being passionate about things is, is awesome to see, even if it's something that you're not passionate about yourself. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just really cool, yeah.
0: Totally agree. And yeah, one thing I want to go back to that you were saying is like, you know, a lot of these cards, this, this may not be for you kind of thing. You just think, okay, every competitive player just breaks down every card. Like, yeah, this is not going to see play. Why is this in the set? But the thing about modern and the thing that I even saw someone tweet about, I think it was like Allie uh, Warfield that I thought was a pretty interesting tweet that I, I don't necessarily agree with, but I liked part of it. It was like, she was saying, you know, hot take that modern isn't really the best competitive format and it should remain kind of a casual format where people can play all their fun, wacky ideas. And while I disagree in the sense that I like modern, I like the competitive aspect. I love the fact that people can play their janky modern decks that are built around Garth. You know, you, you, you see some, just, if you play a modern league, you play against some randomness and sure they may not, beat you, but they're having like a blast with their specific kind of shell. And uh, the fact that this modern horizon set, you know, kind of caters to people that like competitive magic, some cards that are going to be pretty strong and then some that are just fun like that, you know, patriarchs bidding and stuff, maybe not going to be that strong, but some people love that. You know, Jim Davis is going to go crazy about that in his goblin deck. Uh, and, And I think that aspect is really cool
1: oh for sure and like mm-hmm. yeah and like another card's like i don't give a shit about glimpse of tomorrow but there are a lot of people who do you know like <laughs> yeah. like uh, there's just cards like that it's like I, and and i i i actually think that this set is is really cool and appealing to um appealing to people who love magic as like the flavor of it yeah the stories the characters more casual aspects of it like there's, there's a lot of cards that appeal to a variety of different casual types of playing the game. For sure. And also competitive. Like, there's a lot of really powerful competitive cards, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of think of myself as both. Like, yeah. Like, for example, Dakon. Uh, Dakon is a card that... Um, is a old magic character like Dacon Blackblade was like you know just just a very iconic magic character. It from, looks
0: like an old character. You know they nailed that it, aspect yeah. of it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The art is awesome too. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you know and and they've and they printed like uh, they printed his sword in Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that equipment. It, like it, it like boosted legendary creatures by a huge amount or something. Oh, um, yep, yep, yep. I remember that. Yeah, like and stuff like that. Like he he is like a big part of old magic lore, um, or at least was a popular figure in old magic lore. I don't know if he was that big part of the story, but it's like mm-hmm. that um appeals to me too because when I first started playing Magic, one of my absolute favorite cards was Coralash, heir to Blackblade. Okay, uh, if you remember that card, um, I don't. It was, it was from Time Spiral block and. It was a legendary black creature that that its power and toughness were equal to the number of swamps you controlled. Okay, you could, yep, I remember you that. You could discard extra copies of it to put swamps into play from your library. It was mm-hmm. a pretty strong card, but I just I loved it. Like I played a, a mono black deck with it, and it was really fun. It was one of my favorite cards, and like that card was a throwback to Dacon. So now like here's another Dacon card, and like that appeals to me uh, for that reason. But I yeah. also, Dacon also appeals to me as a competitive player and somebody who loves Esperdax and stuff. Like, just as a competitive Magic card too. Like, I just, I think the card's cool. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I like that aspect of a lot of these cards in the set. I think, I think I mean, I'm hopeful that the that set ends up being a huge success. From what I've seen on social media, people seem pretty excited about it. So, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, there's always the the Twitter online complainers that will just literally complain about anything. And if they don't have anything to complain about, they'll complain about people complaining, you know, like you always get that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I think the set looks really awesome. And it's just, it's, it's, every card is packed with so much nostalgia for me is like, I didn't play, you know, back when Dakon, you know, I was in one of the OGs that started in 1995 or whatever, but I do remember, you know, some of the cards that, some of these cards are are based off of like the Rashad and Dockhand. You know, I remember playing with Rashad and Port, um, yeah. you know, all these other the Brainstorm put on too, something else. I like that they put all these like really iconic cards into this set without putting them into the set because, well, they're most of them are iconic because they're insanely good and maybe just too powerful. But you still get that flashback of people that like, yeah, I remember Rashad importing you on turn two in my mono white deck, you know, back in nineteen ninety nine. And it, it, those people get that nostalgia, and I th- I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, like it's like somebody who played a lot with uh, like Eternal Dragon now gets to play the Timeless Dragon.
0: Yep, yep, that was another one I was thinking too. What? Yeah, that plane cycled, and like you paid seven to return it to the battlefield or to your hand or something.
1: I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, that was like right when i version, started this version is a little bit better yeah <laughs> this what, version what is definitely was.
0: better but or but wonder yeah, like this- you know i played blue green madness where i discarded that and attacked with call the herd you know like that brought me back and oh yeah there, there's some good ones
1: yeah yeah to answer your question though what do i think about the free <laughs> <laughs>
2: the <whole
1: time>? <laughs> <laughs> um Um, oh those are cards that we tested a ton with um yeah so first
0: i'm going to stop you Uh, i'll just explain what these cards are um for everyone listening so subtlety grief they're part of these free spell cycles where you can evoke them by exiling a color or a card in their color so two colorless blue blue for subtlety it's an elemental incarnation three three creature it has flash and flying when subtlety enters the battlefield choose up to one uh, target creature spell or planeswalker spell its owner puts it onto the top or bottom of their library so aether gust like effect but does have flash so it is an instant speed card uh grief similar ability with evoke a black card from your hand uh same mana cost two colorless black black. Elemental Incarnation Menace to three, two. When grief enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. So that card has been getting a lot of hype with Ephemerate as a pretty sick turn one play. Uh, And, you know, I tested that out on versus and it was pretty sick. Um, But yeah, like what's your experience with these two cards? Because I'm guessing grief and Ephemerate was brought up at some point in testing or subtlety with, you know, a bunch of blue counter spells, you know, I think that's where my mind goes for that deck. And uh yeah, yeah. So what do you think of them?
1: Yeah, we we played a lot with these cards and um you know, like it it's a thing where like I think these cards were wanted like they wanted them to be good. Yeah. Um but the goal was to, you know, like not have them be obscenely broken.
0: Yeah, because pre spells and magic are scary right like we've kind of learned our lesson with free mana with wilderness reclamation fires you know all that stuff that legitimately broke the game they were the best things to be doing
1: yeah and it's like i don't actually know what is or is like that's one thing about this is like we came in for a month Mm -hmm. we were given a huge card file um of a set of the set And we did the best we could over that period of time to diligently test as much as we can, even, you know, diligently comment on as much as we can, provide our opinions on stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we don't know what it's going to be. And the modern format now is not the modern format that we were testing a year and a half ago. So, you know, like there's a lot of things that, that have changed. So... Like if any card from the set ends up being like broken, like I don't consider it to be a personal failing of myself or anyone else who was on this team Mm -hmm. because a lot of a lot of work was put into it. And I I genuinely feel like we there were a lot of cards that we got changed, a lot of cards that could that would have been like incredibly powerful. So either one of these two are these pretty much the design of them or so yeah these cards that both of these cards were changed quite a bit actually oh, really? um, we, okay. we, we actually we played we played a lot with both of these cards and the, these are both um powered down versions of of like what they originally were mother um, of God <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and like I, I you know like I look at like so grief and ephemerate is a really nice combo mm-hmm. and uh it was a more powerful combo before. I will say that. No, Jesus, previous, okay. <laughs> previous versions of the card. But uh, one thing is like, you know, people are like, see subtlety and lose their mind. It's like, well, subtlety and ephemerate is not quite as strong of a combo as grief and ephemerate. Because like... Agreed. With subtlety, it requires certain conditions to even do anything.
0: Some subtle conditions, really.
1: Yeah. And like, one of the things about subtlety is like, we, we when we were testing, we were like, it's going to be such a blowout in combat, Mm -hmm. but it actually isn't because you kind of have to cast it during your opponent's first main phase. You know, like you're not going to get a creature or a planeswalker spell in combat where you can be like, I'm going to flash this in counter a spell and eat your attacking creature. You know, like that's just something that doesn't really like happen that often. So,
0: but I mean, you can, they can attack, you can play it, bounce another creature, block another creature. Like that's a, that's a kind of a blowout, right?
1: No, it's only spells.
0: Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay.
1: Yeah, all yeah. right, all
0: right. No, that's that's good. Did it used to just be you could just bounce a creature as well?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about what oh, it used sure, to sure, be. Sure, 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 <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, fair enough. But it
0: was, but it, it was significantly better. And it you guys was, powered yeah. it down a bit, huh?
1: Okay. And, and like, it also at one point was worse and it got yeah. like, you know, like it, it just, it went through a lot of changes and, and I thought we, we tested a lot on over, on basically every change that got made to it. We would retest it again. Like th- yeah. this was one of the cards that we played the most with, um, grief. I don't like grief. We played a lot with too. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I thought that these cards were fun. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe subtlety wasn't that much fun but i thought grief was a lot of fun i enjoyed playing with that card um so i don't know i hope they don't i hope that these free spells don't break the the format but at the same time you know you look at a card like force of negation and Mm -hmm. did that you know i i think that card added to um yeah, a I mean it was formats, definitely good.
0: It's definitely good, that's for sure. And and yeah, I mean the one thing we got to remember with these cards is you're still naturally two for one in yourself. Cuz you're yeah. exiling a card to do it and then getting this ability. So like subtlety to me, it seems insane if you could like go to ferry tick up, draw, and then as they attack to ferry, then you could use subtlety to bounce it for free with a counter spell backup or something. Like that seemed insane if if you could actually just bounce creatures, but the fact that you just counter, or you know, when they cast them, sure it may hit um, a haste creature that they'd have to put on top of their library or bottom, like that seems like the best in those kind of scenarios, but otherwise I don't see a clear path that's actually applicable to modern right now, where I just think of this insane sequence like that, like to fairy tuck something and then use that to bounce a second creature or something like that. Like that would be insane,
1: but yeah. Yeah. Like I like subtlety is not a card that um, I I, I'm, I'm terribly worried about and maybe I'm Mm -hmm. off base with that, but I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like breaking the format. Um, I think grief has a higher upside, uh, but at the same time, I I also think that that'll be okay too. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Like I,
0: I played a, uh, I, on versus uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, played it on versus um, against like the Yawgmoth deck. Um, that was the matchup. And out of the five games we played, the two games where I started with turn one grief, ephemerated, it, I won pretty easily. And then the other games, like there was one really awkward game where I just like I had two griefs in my hand and I like didn't have the ephemerate. And I'm like, you know, my opponent had a Veil mana up. I'm like, I don't really want to just naturally three for one myself. So I like stayed in my hand. It was pretty awkward. It didn't really do that much. Um, and then, you know, there were times when it was busted. So I think it it has enough variance to the effect, especially with Ephemerate, because you need four cards. You need four out of your seven cards to be land, Ephemerate, Grief, Black card. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask for, for a busted effect. But, you know given that if it does accomplish it it's very good but here's another thing about just how grief and ephemerate work together they don't you know like Grief and Ephemerate work together with these specific cards, but the decks where you want grief, Ephemerate doesn't really synergize with, you know, like I had Dark Confidant in the deck, Ephemerate's not that good with that. If you want to play a lot of blink targets like Skyclave Apparition, Elite Spellbinders that work well with Ephemerate, they don't work well with grief. So like there's a lot of ends that are kind of being pulled in different directions with that, uh, that lead me to believe that it won't be extremely busted. Now, maybe that's just the shell I was testing and there's going to be a better, cleaner shell. But,
1: you know, that
0: that's my initial thoughts on Grief Ephemerate.
1: Plus, how could Grief be busted if you could just subtlety their turn one grief, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, touche, I mean, that,
1: yeah, I don't know that's more <laughs> of a joke. Like, yeah, two yeah. People playing free spells on turn one, not always the best <laughs> magic, but yeah. um, it'd be fun, though. Yeah, yeah, it is fun. Like I, I don't know, we'll we'll see what happens with these. Yeah, um, we we did put a lot of time into testing these cards, so I I hope they're okay. <laughs> um, but who knows?
0: Okay, another card that you were talking about was Dakin, Shadow Slayer, and this is a card I'm interested in about as well, just because I right now the modern deck I'm playing is just Esper Control, and really, you know it's it's just pretty basic mana leak, logic knots that get to be replaced by counter spells. Snapcasters, Teferis, uh, you know, just your pretty standard control deck. A ton of Kaya's Guiles, which is just excellent right now. And I was like super skeptic when I started playing it. I'm just like, this card just always looks so weak to me. But just in the metagame that we're in, the card just kind of is fucked up. So naturally, I wanted to just try to upgrade that deck, see if it's still good. Um, Dakin is Esper Colors, Legendary Planeswalker Dakin. Dakin, Shadow Slayer enters the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, So starts as a zero, zero, but if you play it on turn three with three lands, uh, it'll have three loyalty and, you know, escalates from there. Plus one, Surveil two. Uh, Minus three, exile target creature. And minus six, you may put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. So, you know, the ultimate here is not it doesn't have the the normal mode of I win the game like this is a situational thing at best. So what do do you think about this card?
1: This might this is certainly in my top five list of cards I tested the most with in uh, when I was there. Uh, I I, I personally I don't I don't know if anyone else played that played as much with this card. I played a lot with this card in a lot of (laughs) different decks um You paired it with Hero Precinct One, of course. <laughs> I, I wish I did, but no, I didn't. um But I just thought, like, okay, this like this is a three mana planeswalker Like we've had some issues with three mana planeswalkers in the past. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make sure that we test the crap out of this card, so that it's not like you know breaking the game, like Ogo okay, yeah. type stuff. Um, and- it made it here, so I guess it wasn't too busted, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I honestly thought I thought the card was was good, but I didn't mm-hmm. think it was like it w- it was busted. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I thought it was fun too. Uh, like it was it was very much a spiky card, you know. Like sure, you know, like a lot of people don't like playing a planeswalker, and then like like for example, Gideon uh, from Battle for Zendikar, where it would come in an emblem and then be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like people want their planeswalkers to stick around. It's like if you play a Dack on in turn three and exile a creature, it's gone. You know, like yeah, it's just a three mana removal spell, <clears throat> right? So, like there, there's a lot of spiky aspects of this card, Um, but I I, I thought it was uh, just a pretty strong card, but I didn't think it was like you know going to be anything that was broken. Like it, it it's just mm-hmm. a good value planeswalker uh and, and i you know i don't know i i, I liked yeah. the fact that it scaled as the game went on you know like yeah i like that too I, and I, th- I thought that was a really cool aspect of the card where it's like okay on turn three it's exile it's three mana exile a, a creature or whatever mm-hmm. on turn six it's exile a creature two turns in a row or you know like yeah. what well, you know like or it's put an artifact from your hand or graveyard into the battlefield which could be really good depending on what deck you're playing with it but yeah exactly so. and yeah the the deck that
0: i'm trying in a, in uh, the shelf of versus tomorrow it's just you know i'm playing three of these where realistically in a Esper modern deck it would probably be two unless it's absolutely fucked up you know you know like we saw four okos we saw like four narsets to ferry three sometimes in some decks that you'd see a lot of them. But realistically, I could see this being like a two of in a control deck. And I see it as its best as a turn five play where you can like back it up with counter spell. But then when I started thinking of that, I'm like, okay, is it better than to ferry hero of Dominaria backed up by a counterspell? And I'm like, well, probably not. So that's like the, you know, the dilemma I had. And that's where I thought, like, okay, it's probably just gonna be fair. But you know, if you go to Ferry on five into turn six, Dakin, you know, un- untapped still, and then be able to exile back to back creatures, that seems pretty sweet. But then you're like, okay, this Planeswalker is being cast on turn six. Is that good enough? So yeah, I I, I can see it just being good, but not extremely busted. Um, but I I'm excited to try it out.
1: Yeah, like th- this is a card. One of the things I did when I was there, um, and. And that for better or worse, like I did I did test with like is is I gravitated towards cards that I personally would enjoy playing with. You know, like mm-hmm. and because I thought I would do a better job testing those cards. Like I thought I would um I thought I would like you know, if it's a card that I'm interested in, I would Yeah You know, I'm just trying build more the interested. better
0: shells for them, you know. Build I mean better, like, yeah,
1: build better shells. I'm more, you know, like that kind of stuff. So like this was a card that I played a lot with. And that, that was another thing is like, you can rely on other people to, to play with other cards. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a lot of cards that Brad played a ton with. There's a lot of cards <laughs> that Sam black played a ton with. Um, and then the, like the other people we were working with, like Michael uh, majors, Dan muster and uh, Zach Elsick, like they also had their cards that, that they were um, you know, that, that they would do a lot of testing with too. And it's like, yeah. I thought it worked pretty well, you know, like, those cards differed from each other. There were some cards where it was like, okay, no one's tested this yet. Like we need to make something for it. And, and someone would be like, okay, I'll volunteer to work on that card.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with, with you saying that I can imagine you just played a lot of like Urza's factory Urza decks. Cause I mean, like at Barcelona, you did not play Hogak, but you built a sick Urza list, did well with it. So I can imagine that was uh that was a card you tested as well. I
1: played a lot of Urza decks. I played a lot of Urza decks. Like there, there are, yeah. like I played Esper Urza with dacons. I played Urza decks with counterspell. Yes. Um, you know, like I played uh yeah, like there there were a lot of cards in this uh set that had like interactions with Urza, like Urza's saga as well yeah. was uh, the land. Like I played Urza's saga decks. That card mm-hmm. went through a ton of different changes, a lot of versions, I'm I tested like every possible like it would it, I would test with a version it would get changed I would test with the next version it would get changed I would <laughs> test with the next version I probably tested with like five different versions of versus saga it felt with like it literally
0: like, saying different things right like yeah different text on the cards yeah and honestly that's that's just what I've been doing too now you know versus live we go through the previous season where we get cards one at a time and we want to be the first people to bring like some some real life application to the to the card, you know, be like, okay, it kind of doing the same thing. Like, is this card fucked up or not? You know, and like test out Innkeeper right before um, Standard actually got that card or, you know, I'm personally because I love Urza too, you know, I'm sure you know that I've been testing out like, okay, do I want to try a control shell with Urza and just play a lot of like, you know, charms or counter spells, cryptic commands, or do I wanna play a Thopter sword, um, were version, um, do I wanna play Teferi, Time Reveler and the new card suspend with it? Like that's the kind of the same stuff that I'm going for right now too, which is pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. And Corey, like Corey, told me off the cast that he was he was uh, going to be playing an Urza deck for versus live, and yeah, and he was talking about like what you just a lot of what you just said, where it's like you were going through all these different types of Urza decks, and like to me that was such a cool feeling because I was like I went through that same <laughs> like I went through that same stuff when I was there testing the cards. I was like, okay, well, like let's test this. Let's test. All right, I want to test like is Counter Spell too strong of a card. I'm going to play an Urza, like, because, because you know, like, Urza Oko decks with Cryptic Command and stuff were such oh, a powerful thing. fan me down, fan me down. That oh, I was like, I all them. right, let's test with an Urza Counterspell Cryptic Command, and may it not rest in peace. At the time, Mystic Sanctuary was still legal, so I was oh, in all God, those decks. Yeah. But yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, like, um... I tested a ton with that version of Urza, And then, you know, there's, there's Brainstone and that card went through some changes as well, but I tested with different versions of Brainstone and that lended, uh, you know, sometimes like some, like I, you know, I I tried like combo versions of Urza with those cards and Mm -hmm. control versions of Urza with a lot of these cards and stuff like that. So, you know, I thought that was cool. I tried like just straight S for control with, counterspell dacons and stuff like I play you know like there's just a lot of different ways that you could build these shells and it's just really cool to see um people Me making going those through mistakes the same. that
0: you yeah. already made yeah
1: <laughs> yeah no,
0: I I think that's really awesome and uh you know just certain people that love like you know maybe sacrifice strategies checking out all the different you know synergies with uh grist um, stuff like that, and then just you know essentially trying to build busted decks and if they are indeed busted, what do you just you just knock on someone's door and be like, hey, this is too good. we gotta do something or like daily <laughs> meetings, I guess
1: huh <clears throat> yeah, so we we basically had um like a board where we would write cards that uh like we thought were uh needed needed to be t- discussed and mm-hmm. so it's like all right, we'll put this card on the board. Put this card on the board, and and a lot of times it was the same cards. So and then we would have a mm-hmm. daily meeting. Um, every single okay. day we would have a meeting. We would discuss cards on the board, and we would make changes to them or not. Okay. And um, I will say that like I I don't know if this is a good quality or a bad quality, mm-hmm. but like um myself sam in particular sam black we were pretty stubborn about a lot of things like we felt adamant about certain things being yeah that's what you need needing to be changed or not being a fun play experience or in some cases like not even being good enough it's like it's like like if you want this card to be something that people play and have fun with like this isn't going to cut it yeah stuff like that and so there were times where it's like you put the same card on the board six days in a row, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, we put it up there. We discussed it. It's like, okay, we think it's, we think it's good as it is. It's like, all right, well, I put it in a different deck and I still don't think it's good. Like, yeah. or i still think it's too good or whatever it's back I mean, on the board so
0: i mean that's what you need because like if you think about it if if the people that designed throne you know and if they were they were going and just like kind of laissez-faire about oko and just like yeah, it seems pretty good food is kind of cool turn to oko is is all right it might be too good with this and then people just like dismiss it and then we see what happens. 69% of a pro tour was played by that card. You know, that was not a fun experience for anyone. Nice. You know, like, yeah, it was nice. But it, if you remember that, it really was 69% of the field in Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought it was 420% of the field.
0: No, it's 420, 69. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meme no scope or whatever. Yeah, know. no scope. But yeah, I mean, that that's what leads to these broken cards that, you know, then not only that, Ten people in a room have to deal with for the remainder of that month or however long you spend on a set. But then the millions of people that play Magic have to deal with an unfun experience for a very long time. So it, it it's a lot on the line when you let a card go. That's either unfun or far too busted. There's, you know, a lot of bad things that could happen.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny too. Like, um, you know, like you were asking me, like, did you did you test with grief? Did you test with subtlety? It's like, yeah, yeah. We, we did test a lot with those cards, but some of the cards that we tested the most with, yeah, like, are you you might be surprised by, or they aren't even in the set anymore. You know, okay. Like, so it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, you know, one example is Sarah's emissary. Um, And okay. that is a, it is it's a four white, 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 seven mana angel flying as Sarah's emissary and enters, enters the battlefield. She's a card type. You and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type. It's a seven, seven. This yeah was, seems an <laughs> this is one of the cards that we spent a lot of time on. And you might not like that. That might be surprising because it's kind <laughs> of like a card that got. Previewed, I haven't really seen people talking about it, you know, like yeah, and stuff like that. Like, it's like that was actually one of the cards that we spent a ton of time on, and it yeah, reason like a casual card, right? Like, yeah, like, it, so that was a lot of discussion on it. It's like, you know, it's an angel, people love angels, like, yeah, we like we want to make an angel that people will enjoy playing with. I prefer angels, t- but you know, that's fine same same <laughs> Actually, wolves and angles is actually my or, same. Or elementals and angles is my uh, those are my, my favorite, favorite creature types yeah <laughs> um but but at the other time too is like some of the cards that like i personally played a lot with a couple other people in there played a lot with too was unmarked grave and priest of fell rights um so priest of fell rights is a black white two two for t- two mana and uh, you, you can tap and pay three life to sack it to reanimate a creature, basically. Um, and it has unearthed. So you can do it again for five mana. So it's basically kind of oh, like an okay. unburial um, rites that's a creature. Uh, yeah, that's pretty strong. And then there's undermarked grave, which is search your library for a non legendary card, put it into your graveyard, and then shuffle. Mm. Um, so, like. Not the fact that Unmarked Grave is a non-legendary thing, suddenly like oh, you're looking at these reanimator decks okay. and you're like, what are some of the non-legendary stuff you can do with this card in Modern? And one mm-hmm. of the cards is Sarah's Emissary. You know, like wow. that we're that is in the same set. And so some of the earlier ver- like some of the earlier versions of Sarah's Emissary were pun intended Griefer, mm-hmm. kind of a griefer effect where it's like your opponent just doesn't get to play magic anymore when you do this like yeah. or other of them or other versions where it's like this isn't powerful enough to be worth doing you know like stuff like that so like that those were a lot of considerations and like it so it's weird like that ended up being one of the cards that we spent a lot of time on even though um you know you wouldn't really think it and and yeah, like other, okay that makes sense now You know, and like other cards, too, that we spent a ton of time on that. They were just like, you know what? Like, we're not getting the dials right on this card at all. Like, we're just going to cut it. And it's like, we spent tons of time testing that card. And and it's probably for the best that we did, because, you know, it wasn't worth printing for one reason or another. But it's like, yeah, maybe it was
0: the next. Maybe it was the next hogag or something, you know, so you could have stopped a tragedy
1: uh, with that kind of effect. We went back in time. We also uh, on week 3, we went back in time and killed Hitler. So, <laughs> wow, you did. good, yeah, good for did. you. You guys yeah, really did uh, some good work, huh? Latsy, and like wow. Yeah. Third three weeks, man. We were like, maybe we should test this Hitler card that's in the set. And yeah we he's like, he's no, too fucked gotta, up. We got to yeah.
0: hit the DeLorean <laughs> and finish that up. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> You know, I think that was funny what you were bringing up about like us both testing Urza and stuff like that and ideas you were talking about before. Literally, yesterday after Versus, we were like, me and Ross, like, okay, well, like, you know, uh, when we're driving home, I'd be like, okay, what cards got previewed while we were doing this? Because we had to submit decks for Thursday's show right after Tuesday's show, just for card availability to make sure they have time to. Print out preview cards, you know, the the whole process takes a a little bit of time. And uh, the whole thing on the way home, he was just like, okay, what is the best non legendary creature that I can unmark grave for to reanimate with Priest of the Fell, right? And then I'm like, I don't know, you know, like then we were just talking, I was like, primeval titan, maybe? Like, I hope he came to this because he built a priest unmarked grave deck for tomorrow for Versus. So just another. Uh, kind of connection from what you guys did in testing
1: to what yeah, me and really, Ross
0: do every show for preview season
1: you know i'm really excited to look at look at his deck then because that was one of the things that i spent a lot of time on too mm-hmm. um and i did a lot of cool i did a lot of cool stuff like I, I i played a bunch with those cards and um you know i went through the same thing it's like all right like five plus mana <laughs> yeah. non-legendary modern format you do like, a search because yeah. i'm buckling in like <laughs> you know like um so that was a lot yeah. of things that that we did too and and it was like i don't know it's just, it's just cool to see other magic players doing the same things that we did and it's just cool to to see like to think of like like i see people like talking about all these squirrel cards you know and they're like for better like some people are like fuck yeah squirrels are back like i love squirrels you know and other people are like god damn it like more like unplayable squirrel cards or whatever and it's like yeah there was a point in our testing process where a squirrel deck was beating the shit out of every modern deck we played against it like no way (laughs) yeah so it's like i to me it's just like that's really fucking cool it's like a lot of the cards got changed but it's like you know what what you know what could have been what could still be you know who knows like yeah a lot of these squirrel cards i think are better than people are giving them credit for and stuff so i don't know it's just it, to me it's really cool but it's just like you know at one point in time i got to be in this alternate reality where squirrels <laughs> were just fucking dominating everything squirrels we put the in. world <laughs> yeah
0: like so would you say those decks were nuts or what Oh yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a corny joke. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so one card I'm curious how many iterations it went through was this card called
1: Counterspell. Did you mm. see a lot of different
0: iterations of that one or did that one stay true or
1: We did actually. Like we toyed with a version that was uh one in a blue. Oh yeah, yeah. Counter target spell unless its opponent unless your opponent pays 3 mana oh okay that that seems that seems a little underpowered yeah we tried another version um it was one in a blue okay counter target spell unless your opponent plays two mana but then if you have more copies of it in your graveyard it increases by two for each additional copy you have
0: okay interesting interesting what about like one in a blue like counter it but instead of like counter it, it does something cool like goes back to your hand maybe even like draw a card since they get it back you know yeah. like yeah <laughs> something busted like that you ever you ever think of trying that or
1: oh we did we thought about it (laughs) oh
0: too good too good all right all right let's let's talk about another card Okay. Um, let's see okay i i mean honestly this is one of the earlier ones but i still don't know how to evaluate it and we we touched on a little bit with the urza decks but like urza saga does this I don't know if this card feels good to me yet or not and you know I'm trying it out as a four of in a nerza deck tomorrow
1: but like I don't know I don't know if it's going to be that good so that's kind of how I felt playing the card too like yeah. um it, it was really cool cuz it's like I you know uh testing with the card uh especially through its various iterations it was always kind of a thing where it's like I just don't know. Like sometimes it's really fucking awesome, and sometimes it doesn't do that much. And like, yeah, you know, I, I it just uh it was really interesting. I I loved this card existence. Like yeah. from a flavor standpoint, like it's just such a it just hits on like a million different levels flavor wise. Yeah. That I just sagas are
0: just awesome. Sagas a really <laughs> cool part of Magic right now
1: yeah and just this card being Urza's saga and it's a saga <laughs> and like i don't know just the and there's a set called urza i don't know the whole thing i just thought was like it was like really cool where you know this card went through so many different iterations and i think you know uh Aaron was on the same page with me where it's like i i hope that this makes it into the set because it's just such a fucking <laughs> cool card um but yeah i did play a lot with it in a, in a variety of uh mostly urza shells um
2: Naturally.
1: And, and, I don't know. It went through a ton of different iterations. And I I, I don't know, honestly, like w- what will end up being this. Like even that was kind of even my thing testing. It's like, honestly, I just... Don't know. Like there yeah. there were times where it was really bad and times where it was really good. Like sometimes it's like I have a bunch of these lands that are gonna I only get a couple turns out of them. Like, why is my opening hand all gemstone mines, you know? Like Yeah. Like, so. I mean that's exactly it.
0: Like the fact that chapter three like what, chapter three? I guess I'll read out the whole card. There's a saga yeah. Um, but it's an enchant land. So, you know, you can just play it as one of your land drops. Chapter one, Urza Saga gains at a colorless. So it's just waste at uh chapter one. Chapter two, uh, but it gains that ability. So it maintains it throughout the chapters. Yep. Uh, chapter two, Urza Saga gains a two colorless tap, create a construct, a zero, zero colorless construct, artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. And then chapter three is search your library for an artifact card with with mana cost zero or one and put it under the battlefield, then shuffle. So from my understanding, you know, you can play it as a land turn one turn yep. two. realistically, you need another land to be able to activate that ability. So maybe this isn't the best turn one land because um, it would turn three to use that ability or if you have a accelerant or something. Um, you can make a card instruct, and then for chapter three, as you draw a card, you know, with the trigger on the stack, you can then either add mana into your main phase, add one mana into your main phase, or make a card instruct as this is about is about to go away. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, so sagas okay. the sagas trigger in your main phase, they don't trigger in your draw <laughs> step. Yeah. So this will go on the stack in your main phase, the the third chapter of this card. Mm-hmm. And you're, you have the ability to respond to it. So for people who play Dominaria Limited, uh, there was a five mana blue card that could flash in and like reset a saga, basically. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. remember what it was called, but like that was one of the things. It's like you put the third chapter in the stack, you bounce the saga, and now you get the ability from the third chapter and and uh, you, have, you have the saga again. Yeah, or um, blink
0: it with, like, flicker wisp or something. That would be kind of gas.
1: Yeah, you could blink it, too. Like, uh, blink of an eye, maybe. I, was that not that side? I can't remember where that one was. But, like, yeah.
0: That's a card still to be spoiled in Modern Horizon 2. You probably just broke NDA there, so good one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm canceled. Hey, now, uh, yep, <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, like Urza's Urza Saga, when the third chapter is is on the stack, it's gonna go on the stack at the beginning of your main phase. Mm-hmm. But you can respond to that and you can either add a colorless mana or you can make the construct and then it'll be sacrificed, and then you'll search your library for a zero or a one. Mm-hmm. Notably it has to be exactly those costs. Yeah. Like it has to be a zero or a one. It can't be it can't be a land. Like, even yeah. though a land has a converted mana cost of zero, it doesn't cost exactly zero, you know? Yeah. like
0: And you can't it, get Lotus Bloom. That's the big thing, I think. You can't you get know? Lotus
1: Bloom. Lotus yeah. Bloom doesn't have a mana cost, you know, yeah. like you have to get a zero or a one. So that's that's the thing. And yeah, like it 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 was a really interesting play experience to play with this card, mm-hmm. because if you played it too early, you kind of screwed yourself. Yeah, and if you waited too long to play it, it's too slow, and yeah. so you had to figure out like which turn is the right turn to play. It's like, am I jamming this on turn two? Am I waiting yeah. until turn four? Like, you know, I, I and 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 that was really interesting. It was a really interesting play, and I I, I never really figured out. Um, just how good it was so yeah
0: and honestly just imagine so the one thing that i picture with this is played on turn one two or three doesn't really matter but in a deck where you have like emery to ferry urza these blue these blue legends where you can when chapter three is on the stack add mana then go get mox amber and essentially you you gain a mana on the chapter three turn which to me makes this card seem actively really good because it goes into your main phase. You know, if you have a blue card that goes with it, you know, you're doing some really sweet things. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do think there is some way that this card, you know, becomes very, very good. And not only that, you can search for Bobble at the worst. You can get a one of pithing needle where your opponent, you might get your opponent with that chapter three on the stack, and they yeah. like have two verdant catacombs, and you're like, yeah, pivoting needle catacombs. You're wrecked. You don't have a response to this, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh wait, and, no, and, yeah, because you, you just very- put it onto the battlefield, right? Yeah. So that that would be true. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have a chance. So they have to crack their their well, with chapter three on the stack. They would have to crack their verdant catacombs or their, or you can get a needle and, and get them. Yeah. Very good is okay. <laughs> Breaking the format is not okay. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the things that I felt like we had to learn. It's like it's like, oh man, these cards are so good. It's like. That's cool. Like, that's kind of the point. Like, yeah. you know, so. And that was one of the things with testing, too, is like we had a limited amount of time and there were a ton of cards to test,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like just a, just an absolute ton of cards to test. And so it's like. I like I probably played the most with Urza Saga of anyone, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I was like, I don't know how good or bad this card is. It's like, well, if you've played that much with it and you don't know like move on to something else, you know, like, yeah. that like, like maybe it's good, but it's not like obviously on its face broken, you know? Like, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you want to avoid, like, it's like, it's not a card where it's like, okay, the first deck I put it in, I killed my opponent on turn three every game, you know, like, yeah. So, or it's like my opponent couldn't play the game of magic anymore after turn three or like, whatever, like, yeah. You know, or like,
0: honestly, if it had a subtle change of like chapter two being Urza gains one tap, create a, uh, car because then it just is a naturally good turn one play. The fact that it's two makes it not obviously a good turn one land. And I, I think that adds like a nice little design space to it um where now otherwise it would just be it would be great you know you just do that on turn 1 every turn you'd be like okay I get to start with there's a saga this is great but now if your opponent starts with there's a saga you kind of look over at your opponent the same way exactly like what they were starting with gemstone mine it's like okay you got a plan i guess but it can't be a long one you know
2: yeah yeah
0: um but yeah i think that card's pretty sweet i'm excited to try it out tomorrow um and you know it, it should be pretty awesome but another one that we just got uh not too long ago i think we saw this yesterday um so tuesday night was suspend uh i, I think this card's worth talking about is just one blue instant exile took a creature and put two time counters on it um if it doesn't have suspend it gains suspend Mm -hmm. at the beginning of its owner's upkeep they remove a time counter when the last counter is removed they play it without paying its mana cost if it's a creature it has haste so you know a one mana removal spell in blue hasn't really existed and i also just see like a natural connection to uh to fairy three it's fairy time raveler with this what what do you think of this card
1: i mean that's spot on like we (laughs) uh this was a card that we we played a good bit with as well Mm -hmm. um and it went through a lot of changes as well this card uh was one of the ones that was on our our like daily talk about board quite often yeah um hopefully so through its various iterations um, and, and and I think I kind of like where it ended up. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I think it's kind of a cool card. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I think of a card like this, and it's like, you know, red as lightning bolt, white as path to exile, white now also has prismatic ending, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is really powerful. Um, yeah, but prismatic another- ending,
0: um, I'll just say it while we, while yeah. we talked about it. It's one white X sorcery uh converge um exile target non-land permanent if its mana value is less than or equal to the number of colors of a mana spent to cast this spell so yeah one mana you get to exile veil you know reclaimer utopia sprawl um arbor elf you know there's, there's a lot of different cards that were basically untouched before that you know it can be dealt with like and then it scales up as you go that card seems great to me
1: yeah and and like i played a ton of this card like i was saying i played a bunch of Dak on decks i -hmm. mean this card was in all those decks you know like yeah yeah absolutely for for clear reasons like I and and like um and i thought it was really cool like i thought prismatic ending like i thought there was a tension between this card and path to exile because path hits everything like sometimes prismatic ending couldn't hit a big enough thing yeah um sometimes being a sorcery was really a problem um Mm -hmm. and stuff and and i I thought that was like good and and i'm kind of of the opinion that like a removal spell you don't want it to be of course like brokenly good but pushing removal pushing reactive elements versus pushing proactive cards are two very different things so
0: yeah you'd rather have a format with (laughs) good answers than incredibly busted proactive stuff because that just reminds me what was the set with landfall originally like played a gop'd zendikar Zendikar. like that's that limited set sucked because it was just okay you had one of these landfall creatures on the play there's not enough good answers to those cards you just died a lot you know it felt like it was a lot of just luck in the format and instead of like you know fun cards. I mean, that's Oko too. Oko was proactive and reactive, which was a bit of a problem. But yeah, I I like formats where you have great removal that can answer anything. And then you just if there's a problem, there's a deck that's very good. Let's say Heliod or whatever. And ironically, this card is probably pretty good against Heliod. Um, You have ways to beat it like right now in modern. I know you're not playing a ton, but the two big decks are like, is it prowess and Heliod and largely on the back of Stormwing Entity and Heliod being very, very difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 combinations of cards that can kill them, but there's not universal cards that kill both of them. And I'm not saying Prismatic Ending is that solution because well, it doesn't deal with um, Stormwing Entity that well, but it sure as hell is a great answer to Heliod as long as you're playing at least a three color deck, which I don't think you play that card if you're not.
1: Right yeah yeah so no, like i think that seems cool and and so like sorry to go down a side track but to go back to suspend like we did play a bunch of this mm-hmm. card and, and we thought it it was it was an int- very interesting card mm-hmm. um like i i thought like i played like there were a lot of times it rod in your hand uh, yeah where and, and there were a lot of times where it provided um it's like, okay, like I'm casting this, but it's not a permanent answer to this card. Yeah. Or with Teferi, it is a permanent answer to this card. If I can keep Teferi alive for a couple yeah. of turns. Um or it protects your own creatures too. Like, um there, there were I, I don't know. I thought it was a really dynamic card that was really interesting, but it was also really awkward to play at times. Um mm-hmm. it, it it didn't strike us as a card that was too that was like too powerful. But like you were saying, when we when we were testing the set, Blue Red Prowess was not a deck. Like, you oh, know, really? like, it, like you know, we t- we tested the set a year and a half ago. Like,
0: okay, yeah, I'm trying to think like what I was playing in Modern a year and a half ago. Like, what what set was just coming out?
1: Um, I don't I, I don't remember huh. offhand, but it was yeah. like. Just the, the format that we tested was was different, you know, like, so... It, oh, wait, I, a year and a
0: half ago. So that was, like, basically at the beginning of 2020, pre-COVID,
1: right? It was pre-COVID, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, okay. I mean, I was playing uh, Underworld Breach. That was the that was last deck one. I played, the Underworld Breach Emory Grinding Station decks. That was pretty
1: big. That was a big um, one. That was That was one of the ones that was, like... Kind of kind of fresh to modern and was like a big part of the format at the time yeah and I just won a
0: team open with Ely and Pete and Ely was playing a Demir Urza deck with just like four Aethergust because amulet was really big and just destroying people you know just playing like the blue black talisman. um but yeah that was that was legitimately December of 2020
1: <laughs> um yeah okay I, I remember that format. Yeah, so that's like one of those things where it's like, I you know, you, you see people and be like, how could they print this card because of this deck? It's like mm-hmm. testing cards a year and a half in advance to make sure they don't break with some specific deck yeah. is, is a little hard <laughs> to do scope-wise. Like, for example, yeah. we tested a lot of cards with Mystic Sanctuary in the format, you know? And it's yeah. like, we tested a lot of cards with that kind of stuff. It's like, like... um astrolabe astrolabe was in every urza deck i played Yep, when i was testing with them like you know things are just different now so like yeah that's really cool but that, that's part that, of the that, testing that, dynamic is you can't you you don't want to get too hung up on it. it's like oh i think that this card is 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 too good with this deck and it's like Well, that deck might not be playable anymore in a year and a half. Or it could be banned. Or or it got banned. It got banned because it it was too good, you know, like, and it was too good already for other reasons Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. And it's like, so you you have to take a kind of a broader approach to testing with cards and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can't can't get tunnel visioned. You can't get tunnel visioned. It's not just, is this card too good with this other card? Now, if there's obvious interactions that's that's a th- that's a different story for yeah. example one card we did not start testing until the third week we were there and it was mm-hmm. just a innocuous common and okay. we were like we should probably test this card in this deck that it would naturally slot into we did and it was obscene which kind it, can you
0: say I is, is no, it out yet or oh okay i okay. can't say
1: i don't even think it's in the file anymore like oh, I, okay okay gotcha. yeah, <laughs> like, I, don't th- I think they just got rid of the card because it nice. was just but it's like you know it's like there are times where it's that where it's like yeah that card would make that deck way too good it it, it really can't exist like that but yeah a lot of times it's like you don't want to get tunnel visioned on like a card like suspend where it's like kind of a re- removal spell kind of a tempo play kind of a mm-hmm protection spell all rolled into one it's a really interesting card it's like you can't get too caught up into like with like is it going to be absurd Is it going to be too good in one deck you know like
0: yeah wow that yeah that is really interesting that is that is definitely interesting because it, honestly that leads me to understand how um You know how some cards do slip through the cracks because it's like, well, this didn't exist at the time we were playing for this kind of metagame like it. It it makes it a little bit more acceptable how, you know, some cards from throne ended up being as busted as they were or something like you you didn't have adventure creatures to go with it. You didn't know that was there yet. Uh, Or wait, no, that was part of adventure. Never mind. Um, So, like, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but, you know,
1: you know what I'm saying? (laughs) <laughs> yes so like I, I i just i think it is an impossible job like yeah. be, being being perfect, be perfect at this at it, is yeah an impossible job there will be things that that break that slip through the cracks it it, it is literally impossible to mm-hmm. be perfect on that kind of stuff no matter how good you are how many people you have working on it, it it's just not possible like something will slip through a crack somewhere and like the goal is just you want to avoid Oko. Like, you <laughs> yeah. want to avoid the card that is can go into every deck and is just too good on power level alone. But yeah. if there's a card that's some random ass card that interacts with two other random ass cards, it's hard to see that coming because there's, you know, I don't know, 200 cards in the set or however many cards are in the set. It's like if some random ass card interacts with some other random ass card and creates a combo that's strong it it is really hard to see that coming um and you know there's a limited time and a limited number of people looking at a lot of the stuff so sometimes that will just happen and i i and like and it can get fit it can get banned or whatever and 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 move on it's just where our card is just too clearly like like i think like hogax like just too powerful on its own you know like yeah or or uh, Oco, it's just like too powerful on its own. It's like that was the kind of stuff that's like, you know, you want you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. If it's like you know, random ass card, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making yeah. sense or not. But
0: no, yeah, yeah I, I totally get you. It's just it's it's damage control for the absolute busted cards that you know they're gonna pair with things that already exist. You know, like there's gonna be one mana accelerants that are gonna allow you to cast turn two oko you know that that's gonna be disgusting and then hogak has a lot of graveyard synergies that uh can make that disgusting and you got to
1: avoid that kind of stuff so yeah and like like for like like sam black was real like impressively good at identifying stuff like Mm -hmm. he would come in and he would just say like just look at a card and be like I don't think this is like I just this is too much for these reasons. And he mm. was just very good at that ide- immediate identification type stuff. I bet. Um and and it was really impressive. Like I, I was very impressed by Sam. Like he he was very good at it, and yeah, I thought that I was really that. cool. But it, and and like for a player like myself, it was more of a trial and error thing where it was like this card looks really good to me. I'll put it in some decks and see. And in some cases, mm-hmm. I was I was not not wrong like it was really good but i didn't you know it wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be or in other cases it was even better than i thought it would be like there were times where i was like oh here's a cool card i'm gonna put (laughs) into this deck because it like has some synergy with this deck that i'm just throwing together and all of a sudden i'm like well this is the busted card of this deck like i was just tossing (laughs) it in there for memes but like okay this card is actually absurd like
2: Oh, um, yeah,
0: that would be a fun process. And, you know, after chatting with you about kind of the similarities of verses, it sounds like if I ever want to go apply, <laughs> I'm just overqualified. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> true. So I want to talk about one last card here before okay. we wrap this episode up, because I just think this card seems insane to me. And I can like some other cards you can you can vision where it goes in a deck. You can you can see um the actual applications and some you can't you know i mean some of the some of the cards are pretty blurry as far as what is exactly going to be good we know grief's going to be good with ephemerate um you you know subtle is going to be subtlety is going to be good with a lot of blue cards not exactly sure how good urza saga suspend is whatever we can talk about that but one card i know a deck i would put this card into and it's scion of draco and i think this card is just insane so it is 12 mana for an artifact creature dragon domain this spell costs two less to cast for each basic land type not each basic land, each basic land type among the lands you control. And then a couple other just fun abilities. It is a four four flyer and it has each creature you control gains vigilance if it's white, hexproof if it's blue, lifelink if it's black, first strike if it's red and trample if it's green. So uh, the one big thing, like I don't even really care about that that last whole group of text. The whole thing that I'm thinking is putting this into a scapeshift, maybe bring to light deck maybe you don't even want bring to light but a or yeah maybe you don't even want scapeshift i'm saying but just a bring to light omnath deck where you're already playing a bunch of triumphs and random ravnica dual lands where you can start with like <coughs> you know the jess guy you start with a fetch land you put the jess guy trium into play and then um you just you just fetch up the other two land types as a duel and this thing can be a two drop.
1: Yeah, like you go Jeskai Triumph into Overgrown Tomb. Yeah. It costs two mana to play you Play on turn two. So. <laughs> that seems this card, really good to me. This is more of a Brad card. Um, yeah, it does. It does seem well, like that. So, you know, like like I was saying, like we kind of had our niches in terms of like things that we were testing. Like I played mm-hmm. a ton with Dacon, I played a ton with Counterspell, I played a ton with Urza Saga. Like. Some of the yeah. other cards, a lot, some um, like unmarked grave priest of fell rites, prismatic ending, like a lot of those yeah. cards were the cards that I played with uh, a lot. With Brad played a lot with some of the other cards. This was one of the cards that Brad played quite a bit with, so this is kind yeah. of a, a Brad card in that res- in that respect. Um, yeah, I can see just like a mid range pile with this, you know. Yeah, that, that would make sense. And like this was a very very hotly contested card and i mean that like (laughs) this might have i don't know if it was our most hotly contested card but it was very highly up there because it it went through a lot of changes and um it i mean it really got powered down a lot compared to what it was jesus this guy's already insane I mean like I, I I can't even explain how much it got powered okay. down okay. compared to what it was and it was one of those things where it was almost like we were saying like don't print this card just get this card out like d- just don't even print this card at all like just don't Yeah. and um and stuff but I don't know there there was a lot of a lot of arguments around this one and uh Yeah, like, just being able to play it on turn two, it means that it it just has a very baseline high power level
2: Uh for that
1: reason. so you kind of have to be pretty careful with how you design a card that can be played on turn two. And, uh, yeah, some of the early versions were egregious. uh, But, you know, that's also part of the process, too. It's like, you, you know, you're making new cards, and it's like you want to see... Is this an effect that's fun? Is this an effect that's playable? Like you have to push the envelope a little bit. It was our job to rein things back, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 kind of is the point for a lot of the cards, like pushing the envelope just to see. You got to kind of see what it would be like. And mm-hmm. um, this this one was definitely like super super pushed. So. I'm.
0: All I picture, like, this is a card, I think this is the card I'm most excited to play. And I would have put this in a versus live deck if it wasn't spoiled so late where I didn't see it. But I just picture, like, playing this on two, you know, after I go turn one, Fetchland, Triome. And there's so many different combinations, too. Like, depending on what I want my deck to be, maybe I have the teamer Triome and, you know, the Sultai Triome. And that's my base colors, you know, green, blue, you know, red, black, and white's my splash, so I just have it connected to a couple of duels um, just to play this on turn two. But I just picture, like, playing this on turn two, it doesn't die to Lightning Bolt. It can't get Fatal Pushed. Uh, You know, even some Esper Control decks right now are playing go for the Throat. It's like, all right, get wrecked. Um, You know, so it dodges a lot of removal. It can still get path, but you pathing this early, you know, is ramping you into Niv-Mizzet, let's say, or it's ramping you into Bring to Light, uh, which searches for Velky, and you get to turn it into Tibalt or whatever. Um, but I picture just playing this on two, maybe like Interact on three at Teferi Bounce or something, and just playing an Omnath, and now you just have an Omnath that already has a wall of text, but you get to add the fact that it has now Vigilance, it's Hexproof, it now is First Strike, oh, and it Tramples now. Like, that just... Or just Nib mizzet Nib mizzet just does all the things now. Like, I I don't know, man. I think this th- I think this card seems like the strongest card of the set so far to me.
1: It's personally. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's quite good. Yeah. I don't disagree.
0: Like, um 2 meta 4 4 is already insane. 2 meta 4 4 flying. That's not hard to jump through for hoops. You know, with fetch being so plentiful it's just not hard anymore Uh, so yeah i i'm i think this this card's unbelievable i could easily see this being the best card of the set you know depending on what else we get
1: yeah i mean that wouldn't surprise me uh based on the testing that we did if this ends up being the best card in the set Mm -hmm. um yeah i i i do i do i I, yeah i agree like this card's super powerful um it's really hard Really hard to prismatic ending this card. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems tricky. That definitely
0: seems tricky. But I mean, you can you can suspend it or whatever, and you know you can you can still just terminate it. You know, you can you can path yeah. it. it. It's not like the removal doesn't exist. It's so, an
1: artifact. You know, it, yeah. it'll it'll die to Coligan's command or you know whatever. Yeah. Like
0: yeah, so. ancient grudge. If people are gonna play it, but that's the thing is like. The one thing i like about this card is although it's an artifact it's not going to be in an artifact deck you know so it's going to be able to kind of juke from your opponent's removal regardless you know whatever the rest of your deck's going to be if it's a control deck if it's a nib misset mid-range deck um it'd be weird to be in an aggressive deck as as weird as it is with all these stats but you never know it could be some kind of five color humans deck um that gets some boost with these none of the abilities are like insane to me except hexproof on blue you know if it was like red gets haste for instance i think this card would just be absolutely broken if you're attacking with omnis the turn you play it and stuff like that but you know needless to say i think it's going to juke removal it's going to juke the normal stuff that you'd want to bring in against the type of decks that you would play this card which leads it to be a good card, in my opinion. But...
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, yeah. I agree. I think this card is really powerful. Um, yeah, it was, it, th- this was an interesting one to test with. Like, there mm-hmm. were some cards that we tested with that were just challenging. Like, yeah. it was just really hard to get um, to get the card right because, like, it was so hard to tune the dial between like what they wanted, like good enough good to see play a strong card, et cetera, versus unplayably bad versus busted, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was for a lot of cards, it was very difficult to turn that dial to the point where it was, you know, honestly impossible. Some in case, some cases kind of impossible to do so. And there were a lot of cards Mm -hmm. that just got scrapped kind of for that reason where it's like, it's like, yeah, we don't even think this is too good as it stands now, but it's just not that fun. It's not what we wanted. You know, that was another thing, too. It's like cards were designed. like this is what we want out of this card. Like this is what we yeah. want out of this, you know, part of the set, like this, this mm-hmm. specific piece of the set. And it's like, well, to make this card playable, we have to change. Or like, we have to change these things. It's like, well, then it's not what we want, envisioned. And it's not like yeah. we'd rather just go. We'd just rather just make a new card at that point. Not, you know, it's like not every card has to be changed and fixed to be exactly Sometimes a card is just like, nah, just get rid of it. Like, Yeah, it doesn't add
0: enough to it. And yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, overall, I mean, from the time when we're recording this podcast, we're 100 cards in and the set looks insanely flavorful, of course. There's going to be cards that are going to shake up modern, which the competitive players want. And then there's going to be some cards that absolutely add some flavor to Commander, add some nostalgia to older players, which a lot of people want as well. And so far, I don't see a Hogak, Oko, except maybe Subtlety and maybe Draco. I I, I think those are the cards that are on my watch list, my banned watch list, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. Outside of that, I don't think there's any cards that really stand a chance of being Completely banned yet, but free cards are scary and extremely cheap um giant cards that are easy to facilitate. Um, you know, are, are pretty scary as well and lead to some degeneracy and some not and some losses on replayability. And I think I think both of those cards could could go into that space, but um definitely not clear and cut that they will or will not, you know.
1: Yeah, and I mean there there are there are drawbacks to Draco. Like yeah. it's not. It still is twelve mana, you know. Like you, mm-hmm. it's not. uh You will not always have perfect mana to cast this card on the second turn of the game. Yeah. If you are choosing to cast this card on the second turn of the game, it means you did not play a card on the first turn of the game. You know, like there, yeah, there you almost are can. Yeah. What's that? The
0: tr- you almost can't with the triumph. You'll never have a turn one play.
1: Right. Like yeah. unless you have a zero mana play, you can't. Like. um, <sighs> Or, or like I don't know, some way to cheese it out or whatever. But like, it's like th- there are there are drawbacks there. Um. So you know, like it it it, you know, there there are things, and I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll we'll see how it goes. Like I'm 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 curious to find out as well. Uh, like I said, that was one that was heavily tested, heavily, uh, debated, um. And and. You know, people had strong opinions about it. Yep. Both ways, so. And the one thing, I was just
0: doing a quick Google search just to see another thing that kind of sparks in my head is, like, some way to sack that or reveal it to deal damage equal to its converted mana cost. Like, those kind of effects, too, can can make a card like that especially busted. You know, I, did, I didn't see anything right away, but I'm sure, you know, there's going to be someone... Uh, in the comments of this, like, yeah, you can do this with that to deal X damage equal to converted mana cost or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you know this, Corey, but this isn't the first Draco card that they have printed. Uh, I think I've heard the name before, yeah. Yeah, like uh I think Draco is the most expensive card in magic, it's like sixteen mana or something. Okay, okay. Maybe it's maybe it's fifteen, maybe it's the same as Emrakul. I can't remember exactly. But yeah. the original Draco had the same concept to it where you could you would reduce its cost based on mm. um you know, your domain. And yeah, there there were decks where I think mostly it was not while it was in play, but like on top of your deck yeah you know there's like a erratic explosion i think was the name of one of those cards where it's like Mm -hmm. dome your opponent for the top card of your deck and it's like okay well here's 16 or whatever draco was you know
0: (laughs) yeah is that card legal (laughs) erratic explosion
1: Uh, erratic explosion is yes i believe that was in one of the time spiral sets
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It could be could be in there. But yeah, anyways, uh, I think a lot of cool stuff. Thanks for being the special guest, BBD. A lot to think about for Modern Horizons. And we got 200 more cards. So, you know, for the rest of the week, we're going to be focusing on that. All right. Brings us to the cast and crew. So let's chat about it. Cast and crew is, of course, where everyone pays us to work for us brian it's a pretty good deal right
1: <laughs> it is i actually wanted to say one last thing before we got oh. in yeah sure what do you got um i don't know i hope this was an interesting episode i hope people enjoyed it like mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of a weird space for me where i i am really excited to talk about this stuff but at the same time i don't really know what i can and can't say yeah. so I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid to cross the line and i i really hope i didn't cross the line at all in this episode of saying things i wasn't supposed to but, yeah, well, you're just going to be canceled and fired
0: and disowned yeah. from the Magic community if you did. So I think it's a pretty, pretty low risk, you know.
1: Yeah, no big deal, no big deal. Yeah, but yeah. No, I, I hope people enjoy this, and and I'm honestly kind of interested in <coughs> like things that other people want to hear about our time testing there. Mm. Um, because we'll probably we'll talk, we'll certainly talk more about Modern Horizons too, especially with Br- when we can get Brad back. Yeah. Um, because he he was a huge part of that too, and he'll have things to add and stories of his own. And he knows more and played more with other cards than I do. And we will have a, more insight there, but I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a weird space for me. And, and so I hope, I hope people enjoy, enjoyed this. And I hope, um, I hope I didn't cross the line, but I also hope like, I, I, I don't know there's a lot of things I would have, I would have liked to say that I didn't feel like I could and yeah. stuff. So I'm, I'm really interested like what people actually care about hearing from it. So
0: yeah. And honestly, I would love to bring in, you know, like I'm going to be gone next week. I, I want to I'm going to, you know, ask him via podcast now or try to, you know, privately ask him later. I would love to get like majors in here to kind of chat yeah. more about design. Someone who's been involved in it for so long. Uh, you know, I feel like they should know majors should know what exactly we can or cannot talk about. At least then you're all syncing yourselves together instead of just BBD going down here. Cause that's yeah, probably maybe, where Brad didn't want to be on the show here. He just knew you were going to shoot yourself <laughs> in the foot. And uh yeah, I just decided to get out of here.
1: Yeah. Majors would be a great person to bring in. Cause he was part of that team and yeah. he was, he was a very balancing force on the team. I guess you could say like, uh, you know, Brad, Brad and I and Sam came in and we were opinionated and, and you know, stuff like that. But you we know, we were all noobs, you know. Like we yeah. were all like it was our first time doing something like this. Whereas ma- majors had been around the block, and there were times where he was like a good, uh, you know, bur- like he was a good level thing where it's like, okay, like you guys are, you guys are tunneling too much on this aspect of something, or you guys yeah. like are you're missing this part of of why this card ma- you know, like he kept he it real. Over- he was a very good balancing uh, factor f- for us. And he was like, yeah, he, I don't know. He kept us on the path basically. So and he would have been somebody who would have been, who who would be very good to bring in. I agree.
0: Yeah, no. And I mean, honestly, that just makes sense because him on our, you know, our protesting team for, you know, the years that we were all together, he was kind of the exact same player. And it, and it's just so funny to me to see the people that are in design now. and, just recognize, be like, oh, that makes sense because this is what they were doing on a testing team For years you know it was like oh you get a set you immediately recognize which cards are busted which cards are not try those and be like okay i was wrong about this this isn't that good let's try something else except we're just trying to do it for one specific tournament they're trying to do it preemptively so that when people get to that stage there's not a clear obvious answer be like all the pros are going to play this because it's busted it's 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 the same skills But just slightly different, slightly the dials are turned in a in a different direction, whether you're trying to get ready for a pro tour and try to do well at a tournament to lock gold platinum, you know, LOL (laughs) in the past. Or if you're trying to make it so people enjoy the game, it's not too good and stuff like that. But it's it really is similar skills and it makes sense why they hire a lot of professional magic players that are good at deck building.
1: And there's more to it than just competitive modern yeah you know like there's more to it like be like what we were saying about like garth one eye and some of the other cards where it's like people are like why are these cards here as mm-hmm. more and stuff like that it's like there's more to it than just competitive players in fact competitive yeah. players are a huge minority of people who play magic so and i
0: mean we know that now with the announcement like we know that <laughs> yeah, with true. the announcement that's that's a direction that they were heading in so it made sense that even a year and a half ago that they were like okay i want to we want to build cards that make it fun for people in modern just as much as still able to have competitive players play leagues and stuff online. So yeah, and I want to, no, I want to throw a cool.
1: huge shout out as well to like, I, I talked about majors, but like Zach Elsick and Dan Musser were also the people that we worked with Aaron Forsyth as well, but he was, he was, you know, not as much there. He was more big picture stuff for a lot of it, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. cause, Cause this was his thing, but yeah, those <laughs> guys, those guys were great as well. Like the, it was just an awesome experience for us. Like I, I, it was just so cool to get to do that. Yeah. And, and those guys were just so awesome to work with. Like it, it really was a really cool thing. And, and I don't know, I'm I'm so happy that I actually had the opportunity. Like it, it, it was cool.
0: Yeah. Honestly, if I ever got the knock on the door or maybe I will do some knocking here eventually for something like that, I think it would be awesome. And, you know, I know it'd be a completely different world, but you know, just even just what we do for versus every time a new set comes out. I feel like I'd naturally have some skills that could transfer over and I, I'd be interested to try it for a month. You know, I, I've I've been through the process of interviewing for like a play design thing, um, something that I, I never really could realistically take because I was like either playing professionally or, you know, just moved to Roanoke to to you know do versus work for scg and it wasn't maybe financially the right choice for me at the time but i would love to do like a month-long thing and who knows i might just be like wow this is this is what i want to be doing you know
1: yeah and i mean i don't know this is i guess kind of a personal reveal here but Mm -hmm. like i i I love doing it so much that i actually applied to work for them uh Mm -hmm. for play design when that uh job came up open recently i did not get hired other people did Um, people who I think are, are, you know, awesome people and I'm happy that, that they got it. I'm a little sad that I didn't get it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, like I had this experience and I thought like, I think I would really enjoy doing this. I think I would be good at doing this. Like I thought that I did a good job when I was there, um, and, and, and stuff. So, you know, that was something that I, I did really appreciate. And I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I did try to get that job. So yeah,
0: hopefully, I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine that just because, you got to know for this time doesn't mean that, you know, later down the line that, you know, if, if they go through some turnover, they probably have X amount of people they can actually have and they probably filled it or whatever but doesn't mean that you can't go back and uh, try to do it sometime down the road or something like that
1: yeah for sure I mean they did yeah. send me an email saying fuck you we'll never hire you yeah but, <laughs> but that's
0: that's left for interpretation you know that's, I think it's that's just not clear I think it's just
1: a form response like I think it's just, just a, that's a template yeah. yeah it's a template like <laughs> mm-hmm. I've
0: gotten one of those as well you know yeah. those those are pretty common
1: it is par for the, <laughs> it's just part of the process you know
0: well, hey, if you didn't get that job, at least one thing you do got <laughs> is that we got support from our lovely cast and crew. You know, Indeed. and that's that's the true support that we need here so we're gonna we're gonna head to the casting crew and if you want to be a part of the casting crew you can go to patreon.com slash bash bros podcast and sign up uh for our 20 dollars tier and higher gets you on the casting crew it is our most loyal of fans that uh we really get to have some fun with uh create some jobs and and honestly just
1: just have a blast with so um yeah first you want to start it off bbd yeah. All right. First, we got Steve. That is our general counsel and chief legal analyst.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not it.
1: That is it. That's oh, correct. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. that's what
0: it is I'm chief legal analyst. Analyst. Only that. No yep. other spelling or anything like that. It's just perfectly properly spelled.
1: So when uh, I get some cease and desist letters in the mail, when I'm yeah. told that I'm uh, being come after by Watsi law- lawyers for breaking an NDA. Uh-huh. Steve, will, Steve will be there to defend me.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I'm sure he'll do a great job of it. Next up, yeah. we got DJ. And that is our official copycat. Uh, you know, DJ, just whatever someone's doing something around the office, DJ just goes and does the same job over right. and over. Normally, you'd think that'd be annoying, right? Not in DJ's case. DJ is just always making sure something is done correctly. So just just redoes everybody's job. So after this. You know, he'll completely redo the podcast and it makes sense.
1: I got to say, I appreciate when I condescendingly, condescendingly yell at our unpaid intern to get me a cup of coffee. Uh, I'll end up with two cups. It is pretty nice, but I
0: know. I mean, it's just great. (laughs) What else can you want? If Brad gets sick and couldn't be on the podcast, he gets sick for two days and couldn't be on the podcast. Now (laughs) That's right. Yeah, He's out of the (laughs)
1: office today. He's ill. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we got Beto Batista. Mm. Uh, so last week, of course, was was uh found himself in a in a Mexican prison again, but was broken yeah, out naturally. by his brother Gino Batista. Oh, Gino's back, good. Gino's back, yeah. Okay. And, and was uh he's actually immediately hired and contacted. Uh, he now runs the Hearthstone esports department.
0: Damn, started from the bottom. Now they're. Still at the bottom. Good for
1: them. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Bino went for, uh, you know, quite the career change there. That's interesting. It's been a wild next, ride. Next up, we got Saruti, and that is our business analyst. And this is, you know, whenever there's some Steve doing some general counsel of legal analysis, S. Saruti comes in with just the business side of the analysts so yeah yeah Uh, two different jobs but very subtle differences
1: there are some serious differences between analyst and analyst i'll tell you that (laughs) go on (laughs) uh i don't think i will Um, okay good call good call all right next we got inside esports that is the esports event organizer on mtg melee hashtag (laughs) sponsored hashtag (laughs) paid um Yeah, this is the official. Yeah, yeah, hashtag (laughs) shill. It's the official uh, esports event organizer. Yeah,
0: important job. Important job. No, uh, no events this weekend. But I think they. Yeah, the one one cool thing about Insight eSports' announcement is they did uh, add a like modern events or legacy events, uh, uh, both actually, to to their like qualifiers, and you can just pay like 10 or 15 bucks and get a daily pass from like card hoarder so that you don't have to actually own the decks on magic online i think that's pretty cool and you know stops or can invite a decent amount of players to play that just don't have magic online collections because well it's expensive you know so yeah. cool stuff there. Uh, next up, we got Ian Pasella, and that is BBP's leading resident pastafarian. You know, I, I was on a diet to get ready for Cancun when I went for a wedding, but now I've been very closely with Ian Pasella eating tons of pasta, so so thank you, bud. I
1: feel like your trip to Cancun was also the impetus for Bino Gatista's, like, mm-hmm. foray into Mexican prisons, if I'm not mistaken, so it's Needless- all-
0: yeah it's all
1: connected there's some sort of conspiracy here
0: needless to say i needed an alibi for that weekend so i went to cancun so
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. speaking of speaking <laughs> of conspiracies wapa brad's personal barista and dog walker but won't walk me and that is that's messed up that's yeah and is. i
0: think actually probably won't walk brad after his sickness today so i think Wappa's just walking d at this point
1: i think so yeah
0: yeah. Next up, we got Adham. That is our ghost writer. So if any of the stuff that BBD said crossed the line from an NDA from Wizards, it's actually Adham. So, you know, all blame actually goes onto Adham here uh, because he is writing all the material that we say, including this, which is also selling out Adham at the same time. Oh, shit. Why am I doing this right now to myself? I should go on to David Watt.
1: Yeah, but then the real mind fuck is that (laughs) if Adham wrote me breaking my NDA, then I would have had to break my NDA to inform Adham of the information that he could write for me to say to break my NDA. So I would have broken my NDA anyway.
0: And just announced it now live via Adham's ghost writing. Right. Ah, yeah, that's convoluted.
1: It is convoluted, but Mm. all roads point to bad for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next up, we got uh, David Watt, who knocked it out of the park. (laughs) It's a special guest screener.
0: Yeah. If it was like, I don't know, another human that was at the park and he just walked up and punched someone and knocked him out. But if that's that's the kind of knocked out you're talking about. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not knocked up, then we're good to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Next up, we got Paul Kat. Hey, Sorowski. BBD was ready for that, and that is BBD's wall-staring photographer. You know, just really captures the essence of BBD looking longingly into his plain-colored white walls. Someone's got to be there to capture those beautiful images. True.
1: Yeah. Actually, no one has to be there to do it, but Paul does do it. <laughs>
0: but Paul's still there, yeah.
1: All right, next up, we got Phil and uh, let's just say things get weird when DJ and Phil get together because we don't know what (laughs) Phil does. And then we don't know what DJ is doing. And it's just it's a real it's a whole cluster F.
0: Yeah, it's really like when you like, you know, go to elementary school and you you sit two kids next to each other that like, you know, shouldn't be sat next to each other because they just talk and stuff like they're, they're bad influences on each other. That's for sure. You know, sure. at least jp will be doing work if he's not around phil but if he's around phil he does not do shit so yeah it's rough stuff
1: or he does do shit which is even if worse. phil is taking a <laughs> shit yeah, yeah that's
0: true yeah but otherwise no next up we got jp and that is uh mangu's timestamp finder you know what we talked about magic right away so i think uh i think mangu might have he might actually still be listening
1: it is possible. I mean, yeah, it's possible. this didn't run quite long, so who knows? Yeah, you're right. Good call. Good call. It's it's it's, it's all my <laughs> fault. All right. Next <laughs> up, we got Sultan Abasi, which is our designated mana dork. And I'm gonna go with uh, actually Jeskai Triumph, which actually produces seven mana, as we've discovered today. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Holy shit, Jeskai Triumph is the ultimate mana dork coming into Modern Horizon two. Wow. Okay, next up, we got Eric Nall, and that is the BBP trash man. And, you know, after all of the, you know, just the the puking and and all that stuff related to COVID, Eric Nall has to clean up all that stuff. So, really tough work, but you know what? Someone's got to do it.
1: Someone's got to do it, and we're thankful it's not us. Thank God. Yes, I agree. All right, next up, we got Meldy, and that is the merch store manager. Um... You know what? Our merch store is trending upward. Trending Good job. upward. We know one that bought
0: it, my buddy GP Lattelore, uh, from my stream had picked up a BBP shirt. So, we've uh, we're officially on the board. We got Hell one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good That's job, prosperity. Well done, well done. <laughs> Keep managing it. We Now, all we need to sell is like 500 more and we can pay for Gear's salary. Impressive work. Next up, we got Patrick, and that is our office party coordinator. Now that Brad's double vaxxed, you're double vaxxed, I'm double vaxxed. Two
1: weeks. We can party. I'm excited. Party like it's the first two months of 2020. Hell hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I'm even going to a bachelor party at the end of the weekend here, uh, which nice. I am excited. It's It's going to be crazy to see that many human beings. You know, and actually interact with them. I, I don't know if I'm going to remember how.
1: It's it's weird, man. Yeah, I, don't I don't know how either I forgot. All right. We got Filippo Galanis, That is Brad's soundboard operator. Not uh, going to be what? operating much anymore because Brad isn't around for this episode. And also, I may have destroyed the soundboard.
0: So. Wow. So, you know what? Great news for both accounts then, you know, it has been yeah. much peaceful not having to hear myself repeated. <laughs> it has been much peaceful not having to hear myself repeated, you know,
1: Brad. Yeah. Oh, uh, come he, on. He's not that even a... on
0: the call and he's still got us. Uh,
1: I don't want to have to do this shit anymore.
0: Oh, God. Well, luckily we're almost done with the casting crew, Brian. So next yeah. up we got Laura and that is our CEO. Uh, Just runs it all, you know. So if you got any complaints... Laura's person
1: to talk to we got Victor that's Brad's first place trophy holder and Brad may win some first place trophies over the next year for Victor to hold but it's mm. kind of like a participation trophy at this point so <laughs>
0: yeah that comes with a little bit of cash you know it, it, yeah. it doesn't hold the same kind of weight you know as let's say your first place trophy from Worlds that you know that was special that came that's with got a lot of platinum that's,
1: that's got some. that's got some heft it's like I don't know <laughs> three, three pounds, five pounds. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Speaking of three to five pounds, we got Dr. Ung to on average takes about three to five pounds out of Brian Brown doing on his uh, proctology exam. He is of course our resident proctologist, but focuses on BBD
1: uh, quite often. And that's all that needs to be said (laughs) about that. All right. That's our I
0: think, I think I could have said much less on that actually.
1: Uh, We've already talked about grief, Corey. We don't need to spend more time on the cast discussing it.
0: (laughs) Of course. Of course. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And especially huge thanks to everybody that is a member of the cast and crew. You do truly keep this podcast afloat. We thank you so very much for that. And Brian, thank you for being the special guest and uh, giving us some insight onto your play design experience.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on the Bash Bros Podcast. Truly it, an honor and a privilege. It's the Bash Bro Podcast here uh, for today. Sorry. Rebranded. For Yeah. So
0: <laughs> next week we will have Mr. Brad Nelson back, but I will actually be gone because I will be out of town, back home visiting family and stuff. So hopefully it's, you know what? Hopefully, hopefully not. Actually, if it was just special guest Brian Braun doing podcast with no Bash or bros, that would be kind of fun.
1: Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> All right, everyone. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
1: See ya